was that? <laughs> was our like you know the Arthur like you know going back into the dream state? Oh, you don't like you don't like the swoosh. I usually do a swoosh. Oh, I mean the swoosh is fine. I just added some more to it, plussing it up. Totally know this is going to be our oh. cold cold intro, right? <laughs> just say it. <laughs> Welcome to the Beers and Ears podcast. Here are your hosts, Casey Woolley and Matthew Brown. Hello, everyone, and welcome into another episode of the Beers and Ears podcast. My name is Matt. Hello, my name is Casey. How's it going, everybody? We are continuing on our MCU journey. Uh, We are two for two now with new Marvel movies and uh, uh, seeing them pretty quickly after release and seeing them in theaters together. So Yeah, well, you called it that, you know, all this new content is just really, you know, when we first started the pod, we didn't have a lot of new content because of COVID. And then all of a sudden it's just been bam, 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 bam. And then these two being theatrical releases, it's it's been nice to be able to kind of get out of the you know into the land of the living and be able to see them uh, with you and of course Eric. Uh, this one was kind of a last minute thing. Like you you messaged me was it the night before or even the day of? It was I can't the day remember. of. It was like yeah. six hours before yeah. we were supposed to. You're like, hey, do you want to go see Chang Chi tonight? And I was like, Nate, can I go? Because his mother in law was in town at that point, and he's like, yeah, sure, why not? So it was kind of good. It was it was fun to get out of the house and and. Uh, uh, and it was a great movie to see. I swear, though, as I was preparing for the pod, I feel like that was ages ago. <laughs> I don't know why. I feel <laughs> like this was like two months ago, but it really wasn't. It was like like three weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, uh, three weeks ago that we saw it. But I agree actually, three weeks like ago today, ago. actually. Yeah, it just it yeah. feels so long ago for some reason. So, um, But I want to start, before we get into that, because um, we'll play as we did with the Black Widow episode. We've got a little, you know, on-site capture that we did, uh, so we'll put that in here. But I, I want to discuss the big news coming out of the parks because, uh, uh, you know, we talked about this at length. Um, is that Rise of the Resistance is now has a standby line? Yeah, in both parks too. Yeah, in both parks, and I, I want to say that the initial hit, which was everyone flooding it it's four hours oh my gosh i waited until the end of the day and i caught a bunch of people that were like yeah that all that was was all of the people that wanted to like rope drop and be first by the end of the day it was like any e-ticket ride yes and no so i I agree with you it was like any e-ticket ride right now yes and and i think we have to qualify that so i think i think part of part of understanding this whole virtual queue and the reason why they did it, we have to go back to when it first opened. And right around that same time, Hagrid's magical bike adventure at Universal Studios had opened not much earlier than that. And they didn't do a virtual queue. They just did standby. And there was wall-to-wall news coverage of people waiting 10 or 12 hours to ride this one ride because it was plagued with a lot of malfunctions and and people would go and just spend their whole day waiting in line and, and it was not very flattersome yeah. news coverage for for uh universal so i think disney said all right you know we have this technology maybe we've been waiting to use it what better time to use it than now it kind of fits with the theme virtual boarding queue all that stuff Clearly, I don't think they were anticipating doing that forever only because they built a queue. I mean, yes. for those of us who have been down there, I don't know if you've seen the queue. 
you know, in videos or not, but the queue's huge. I mean, it, the outside portion, and then once you get even in, it's a huge queue. Like, if you were to walk from the start of it to just where you actually get into the right, it's probably a good 10 to 12 minutes of walking. I mean, it's a long queue. So my point is, so now there's been a lot of coverage in the news lately that the crowd levels at Walt Disney World have dropped to nothing. Well, yeah, and that's that's the one caveat that you're saying is right now is that right now there's just nobody that is in the parks. I mean, it, it's it's to the point where you're seeing very very short waits for rides that usually are an yes. hour plus. So, um, the, the, and, the, and that the, and that happens every September. September is a downtime. Well, and the and the real question is going to be, it's not only is September a downtime, but on top of that. We are today's the twenty sixth. We are five days away from what is the biggest event in Disney history, which is the fiftieth anniversary of the Walt Disney Company, or Walt Disney World, I should say. You know, I would say only rivaled probably when Disneyland turned fifty, but I think this is even bigger because Walt Disney World's a bigger destination. So the the real question is going to become when crowd levels return. Let me rephrase that: if crowd levels return to normal, there's a lot up in the air right now, Matt, about this Disney Genie Plus, about the changes, about the price increases, the annual passes. There's a lot up in the air that have, excuse my language, but pissed off a lot of Disney fans. And the the feeling about going to Disney in the community, you know, yeah, there are still a lot of people who are going to go, but I really wonder what that will look like. All of this to say if the crowd levels return, what will that weight look like? I think, you know, Rise of the Resistance has notoriously broken down. I mean, it's, it's, it, it consistently is plagued with issues. I think they've gotten better over time. But if they can manage to literally feed people through like that and keep the hour, keep the wait between an hour and 90 minutes, I think that's worth it. I think that's, oh, yeah. I, 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 I've all, I've been, quoted on this podcast to saying I would never wait more than 90 minutes for a for a ride. I would wait 90 minutes for Rise of Resistance, but I would not wait any longer for it myself personally. It's a great ride, but I would never do it. Yeah, no, I'm I'm not necessarily in the in the four hour camp. But again, like I, I also stand by my previous statement of if I really want to do this ride, you know, I, I, I saw someone post it on their social media account like you know, the, everyone's asking the question, who wants um, who wants the virtual queue to end? It's like all the people who haven't been able to get a pass virtually and want to just go stand in a line. And yeah. um, so, so I but I think it has been interesting, though, because I think everyone was everyone thought even with the down crowds that this was just going to be a constant four hour wait. And when it when it initially opened and that's what it was. I saw so much of like, look, see, this is what it's going to be all the time. And it's like, no, it's not going to be all the time. Now, again, I agree. We have to caveat it with crowds are very, very down, but, um, but I hope it works. And honestly, what it makes me wonder is something like, I can know Remy's Ratatouille adventure is supposed to be a virtual queue starting in five days. I'm curious is how it? long that lasts. I don't think they announced the virtual yeah. queue for that. Oh, yeah. they? they announced the virtual oh, queue for interesting. it. Interesting. I'm wondering if I, I personally, and I've said it on this pod before, I think the virtual queue is a great idea. I think they should go to all virtual queues because first of all, it's a win, win, win for Disney. 
by going to all virtual queue, if everything's a virtual queue, and so you're able to plan your day out to, you know, except for maybe some of the smaller ones that are literally walk-ons, but anything that requires more than a 30-minute wait on a regular basis, I think could be a virtual queue. And I say that simply because um, it gives you the ability to go do other things. It gives you the ability to go shopping. It gives you the ability to go get food. It gives you the ability to do some of these other activities. I think in some ways that's kind of what Genie Plus is kind of going to do is create this virtual queue environment. So I think what I like about this is Disney's giving you the option to kind of tailor how you want to experience Disney. Yeah, if the- you want to go and wait in line for one ride or four rides, that's totally your call. If you want to pay the $15 and you know get four or five rides at selected times and do other stuff in between, that's totally your call. You want to pay a premium to go on run ride that's going to take that might be a longer wait. That's going to that's going to be your call. And in all the while Disney makes the money off of it. I have a question for you though. So knowing now what we know about Rise of the Resistance not being a virtual queue a couple weeks ago, you said you would be willing to pay for it, knowing that not necessarily knowing that you'd be able to get it through the virtual queue process. Would you, if you knew there was going to be a posted sign of four hours or paying to say $30 to write it, what would you do? I would pay $30. If you it was four, if it was four hours, yes. If it's an hour or an hour and a half. So what's I'm, your breaking point? I would say two would be my breaking point. Okay. I, I, I think that I time think is I money could, in your world. You've yeah, always I, talked about how time is money for you. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I, I, and two would be, I would have to think about it, mm-hmm. but anything above two hands down, like I'm not even giving it a second thought. It's I, I would, I would pay that $30. So if you, so you're planning a trip and on average over the course of a nine day period, you see that it's an on average two hours or more wait at all times going forward. You're going to make the call. I'm going to pay that 30 bucks and do this. Now, is there an amount that you would not pay? Like, what is your tipping point for the cost, the cash? That's a good, that's a good question. Um, I'd have to do some analysis on it. The, the, the sound, this is welcome no, to the Disney nerdum. But it's, it's, it's wonky, right? <laughs> it's okay. So if I'm going to wait in line for, let's say, two hours, what if, I, if I'm paying, I'm not waiting two hours. And so mm-hmm. what am I going to fill my time with in those two hours? And is it worth, I think that's worth $30. I think I can do $30 worth of stuff in two hours. Can I do $60 worth of stuff in two hours? I don't it, know. It's almost, like, it's almost like what you'd have to do is say, okay, let's say the trip cost $100, bucks, the 100 in the park for the, the ticket that day, let's say. And let's say you're going to average, let's say, six attractions, you know, seven attractions. You take 100 divided by seven. That tells you how much each attraction is worth. Now you have to look at your time. And then from there, you know, if you want to um, – uh, you want to look at your price per hour, price per minute. You'd almost just want to kind of play that out and see, okay, what is my tipping point of time versus my tipping point of dollars? Because I think, and the cynic in me partially believes that's what Disney's trying to feel out right now. Mm-hmm. I think Absolutely. they're, I think they're trying to feel out um, what, what the line experience is going to be like, you know, you know, cause I hate to put it this way, but they can manipulate the capacity of that ride however they want. 
they can. They, they can manipulate the thoroughput of that ride however they want. So in theory, and I'm not, I don't have any evidence of this whatsoever, but in theory, a directive could come down that says, oh, let's only get 75% of the people through that we would normally be able to get through to increase wait times <laughs> to have more people buy their ability to get into this ride. Like that, I think, hasn't been explored a lot. And I really, I pray that that's not the direction they're going to go, but they could. They absolutely, absolutely could because this is pure profit for them. Like there is absolutely no. There's no overhead for, no. for any of that. No. So I, I just, I do worry for some of these higher, higher demand rides. They can very easily, you know, because we don't see what happens in the, the bowels of, of when they're deciding who to load or what to load or how many boats to have or how many trucks to have or how, whatever, how many vehicles to have on any of these rides, you know, they could, you know, like think about it when you're, let's just take Haunted Mansion for a second, right? Not, not that it's going to be one of the rides to do this, but Haunted Mansion has those doom buggies. They could load every other one and you would never even think about why are they loading every other one? Yeah. No, you're just, just there. No. You're happy to be there and you're done. Yeah. That would then decrease the capacity by 50%. Now, on a ride like this, it's even less obvious. So anyway, I just, it's going to be really interesting to see what that dollar amount is. Yeah. From, you know. So it, it's interesting. Um, one more thing very quickly. I don't want to spend much time on this, but um, um, this was something that I'd been tracking um, on Disney plus star Wars visions came out. I heard um, about this. Um, if you are an anime fan, I highly recommend it. If you don't like anime, you're not going to like this. <laughs> um, but what I didn't realize about it is they're short 15-minute episodes. They don't really connect with each other. They're just like standalone little stories. And I've enjoyed the ones that I've watched. I haven't watched them all. Um, and I would not call myself an avid anime fan. I have watched anime and have enjoyed it. But uh, it, it's interesting. And it's it's not connected with, um, you know, it has connections to the greater Star Wars universe. But it's not like we're just seeing the same old story hashed out. It's interesting. Like, it was, I thought, I thought it was, if you're a Star Wars fan and you're looking for something new to watch, I'd check it out. A worst case scenario, you waste 15 minutes. It's not like you've invested an hour and a half of your time. It's almost like a... A Disney-approved fan fiction, from what yeah. I'm, from what yeah. I'm gathering, and, and, I, and I'm not an anime guy. Nate loves his anime. I'll come home and he'll have this stuff on, and and they're not. I can't understand a word they're saying, and he's watching the subtitles. So I'm like, I don't know how you find find that enjoyable at all. But he it's does. It's all and in English. And, I can and, say that. Okay, okay. It's well, all in English. Well, and sometimes these ones are too, I guess. But like, I don't know. I've just never enjoyed anime. But for those of you who do, I'm not knocking. It's just not my cup of tea. Yeah, yeah. So just, I, I have heard really good things about it um, in the groups that I'm in. So uh, that's awesome. That's great. So. Okay, well, uh, moving from the Star Wars universe over to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, let's let's dig in to what we're talking about today, which is Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Uh, this movie was released um, less than a month ago. It was released on September 30th, United States. Uh, Los Angeles had its premiere on August 16th. It's about 132 minutes long, so just over two hours. Budget of 150 to 200 million. It's grossed so far 363 million dollars as of today, September 26, making it the um, largest box office uh, return of 2021. I know 363 million, you know, in old terms pre-COVID, you go, oh, that'd be a flop. Not in COVID terms right now, and um, 
you know, it, it's still moving. I mean, it's still going. It, it, it's got 45 days in the theater. So if you figure it was released on the 3rd, you know, it's it's basically right up through November. I think November 12th is when it's supposed to hit Disney+. Plus. So uh, it's, by all accounts, highly successful. Uh, and I think, Matt, you and I, um, before we start kind of jumping into our analysis, why don't we go ahead and air uh, what we what we kind of the night of reactions here so people can kind of hear what we were talking about um, and then we will kind of start our analysis here in just a moment yeah absolutely so uh, enjoy our on the spot from three weeks ago all right hey there beers and ears listeners this is Casey and Matt and and Eric you remember him he was with us for Black Widow a couple months ago we're that's back right. together it's like... that's right I hope I didn't bomb your ratings too bad after that first Yo, meeting but uh... a surge. actually I just, I just <laughs> looked I just looked we had 89 people People download or 89 episodes downloaded today came out of nowhere. Wow, crazy! Okay. 73 unique listeners. It was kind of cool. Wow, okay, yeah, so awesome. But anyway, so you're technically a friend of the pod now because you've been on the pod mm-hmm. twice. Well, I'm honored. You yeah, are I'm, officially, and we're I'm, starting to make this a habit where I like we are this. now at the AMC in Lake in the Hills. Yep. Uh, uh, this was a very last minute. Uh, yeah, and it came together came very together. fast because we're not reporting on Shang Chi for a bit. Yeah, I think that yeah. we're not going to actually do our episode for a few weeks. Yeah, but this is our. We're seeing it now. This is what the fifth. This is the opening weekend. Yeah, it's opening weekend. It's been doing really well. I know you're excited. What do you, What are you most excited to see in there? Oh man, I just I'm a big fan of martial arts movies. So yeah. seeing Marvel kind of bringing this to the forefront, incorporating some martial arts in it, I can't wait to see what they're bringing to the table. Excellent. What about you, Matt? This is really the next step in Phase Four. Like yeah. you know, Black Widow was kind of this prequel. This is now launching us in, and I yeah. know there's some characters, Abomination, Wong are going to come in. So Abomination, call back to the Hulk, second, yeah. and then Ten Rings has been around since the first movie. Yeah. So, well, I was telling you earlier on the pod, I'm kind of excited about it because I know nothing about this. I, I know nothing about this comic book arc. I know nothing, and like you said, fourth phase kind of launches us into it. Yeah, we've had Wanda, we've had Falcon, we've had um, what's the other one? Uh, 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 Loki, Loki. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> there's been so much content. I'm having a hard time. But this but is this, like the first real like, movie. And this is different content. than shows. Yeah. Movies are different than shows. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. so, so we are going to head in. We our show starts in about like nine minutes or so, yeah. seven minutes, and uh, we're going to get in there. And then we'll probably do some reaction right after. Just oh yeah, because. absolutely. Because yeah, right. we got to keep the pattern going. Absolutely. All right, we'll talk to you guys after the movie. <laughs> All right, Casey here. Matt, we, the, the theater is uh, still, we're, it's emptying out right now, which I don't know why people not learned. I know, seriously. So we just watched the first of the credit scenes. Apparently there is a second one. Um, Matt, initial reaction from the movie as a whole? It was not what I expected in a good way. Yeah. Um, uh, it's some great callbacks. Um, just, I mean, the the Trevor from Iron Man 3 <laughs> just no idea was coming and no. and it was excellent. And what about I mean, you, Eric? I loved it from top to bottom. It had a great mix of everything. Action, um, just everything. The, the story, the plots, uh, great. There's some great comic relief in there, too. Just perfect movie, in my yeah, opinion. It, it, it really, they're great action, great story, the mid-credit scene here was kind of surprising. Wasn't expecting that. So wow. obviously, spoilers abound here, folks. But Captain Marvel, Bruce Banner, Wong. <laughs> I mean, I, I know they're setting up some stuff, but yeah. dang. Yeah. I know it's going to take some time to process. Any favorite parts, Matt? A- anything with Trevor. 
Like, <laughs> and I mean, the the martial arts was really well shot. I thought, but yeah. just it, Ben Kinsley just knocked it out of the park. The was it Morris? Was the guy? Was it, was the creature's name uh, Morris? Yes, Morris? Morris, the little creature without a face. He was. I could see a lot of those plush being sold. Had the you know, had it been a thing. Definitely. I don't know. It was good. It was good. Well, it looks like some people figured out that there's probably going to be a credit scene after. Yeah, yeah you think people... I mean, ultimately, they may just not be the diehard fans like we are, Yeah. but... <laughs> so we're just sitting here through the rest of this. Uh, obviously, we'll have a whole... Well, by the time you're listening to this, it'll be on the episode. We'll be have a chance to process. Any final thoughts, Eric? Oh, no, I just loved it. I would highly recommend it to anybody. And what makes it great is that you don't really need to be a huge fan of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I think this is just a great standalone movie, in my opinion. Yeah, what about you, Matt? Yeah, I think you're right, that you can kind of, you know, this is the beginning of a new phase. We talked about it beforehand, that it's the beginning. And there's a lot of, you know, at the mid credit scene, there's they're setting up something in the future. And yeah. it's like, oh, man, what is that? And what is that going to be? Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I was really impressed with how they tied it to how they tied it to everything else. But it wasn't tied like, oh, we're forcing this into the MCU. Like, you know, the, the mention early on about, you know, when you live in a universe where half a half humanity can just be snapped out of existence. Like, it did a really good job of tying it but also setting up the new platform i really love i really did love this mid-credit scene with wong going you know from this point forward your life's on a trajectory that's going to be moving faster than you realize basically you know yeah yeah so all right i guess we'll sign off watch this final credit scene and then get out of here and then uh you'll obviously hear our thoughts on the show as we get moving thanks everybody bye 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 all right we are back from from that um so anyway, uh, let's let's dig in. Uh, one of the things that I think has been really good about the way we do these podcasts, Matt, has been we like to get away from it for a little bit before we kind of dive into it. You know, you hear our initial reaction. And to be frankly, uh, I, I don't, don't even remember what I said during the initial reaction to be able to comment on it. But then you kind of get a chance to kind of think through it, do some post movie analysis. Or in my case, read Wikipedia, uh, you know, and, and kind of just see where, where the movie world's at and kind of where it fits in. So I guess we'll start where we always start. Initial reactions. As I've digested it more, I still really, really, really enjoyed the movie. Um, I enjoyed how it made connections to the greater MCU without uh, belaboring it or mm-hmm. like really forcing it. The, uh, the, the connection with the, the Mandarin from Iron Man 3 I thought was just flawlessly done. Mm-hmm. It didn't overtake anything, but it added some lightheartedness. And the whole conversation that uh, uh, the Mandarin has with, you know, they took they took the mantle and used it in this way. I really, really enjoyed that. It didn't like lay it on thick, but it because I, I, I think my fear was had they laid that on thick, it would have overshadowed the new things they're trying to set up. I think I felt unsettled about it. And I think here's why for the last I don't know how many movies, starting with like Guardians of the Galaxy, even. We've kind of known where the MCU is going. Not like, I mean, like 100%, but I, I liken it to, to, to um, we're doing a puzzle. And when Marvel said Infinity Stones, they gave us the picture of the puzzle. And so now when we get these pieces, we're like, okay, I don't exactly know how this piece fits into this picture, 
But for those of you that have ever done a puzzle before, you're like, you know what? This color matches up with this color. This one maybe kind of goes up in this corner. And that's what we were doing with the MCU. Shang-Chi feels like I got a puzzle piece, but I have no idea what the picture is. And so I go, well, this is a really cool looking piece, but I have no idea what where this is going. I don't know, is is Kang the big bad? Is 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 this going to be a multiversal war? Is, you know, the beacon at the end of the, of the Ten Rings, who's that calling? Like, it, there's, for the first time in so many years, we don't know where this is going. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. It just is, it, it, it's, that's not something I've experienced in a Marvel movie for a very, very long time. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, I think this movie had to do something that I, I think in a lot of ways was impossible to do, yet it somehow managed to do it. Let me see if I can explain. To, you, know, you and I have talked about this, whether on the pod or offline, that in, in phases one through three, we, we knew where we were going. We, we Like you said, we, we had these pieces of the puzzle and especially towards the end, we really started to see where kind of where the final pieces were going to play, even if we didn't know how it was all going to come together. I mean, the world, you know, three years ago with 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 um, Endgame waited with bated breath between Infinity Stone or between the Infinity War and Endgame on what was going to happen. We waited with bated breath. Because it, it felt like it truly was this epic conclusion to this amazing saga, right? So then, you know, I, I keep hanging on something that Feige said. I don't know if it was a D23 or one of the Comic Cons where he said that, you know, we might not even call it Phase 4, but it, there, there, there are going to be two distinct two distinct parts of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. There's going to be pre-Thanos and post-Thanos, right? Basically is what he said. And so here we are in this post-Thanos universe, this post apocalyptic where everything that's played out is played out and the world the universe experienced it i mean i keep thinking about one line in the movie where um uh where the main where katie's friend i don't know if it was her sister or whatever you know says in a world where you know half the world or half the universe can just be snapped out of existence da 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 like it was kind of a throwaway line yet it was in there where she was talking about how you know i'm going to live every day you know to its fullest kind of thing I think what this movie had to do was set that up and then also set us on a journey towards, again, the, the next big adventure that's going to kind of be the needle thread throughout all these multiple movies. It would have been a Herculean task if it uh, in any movie, let alone a movie that was cast with primarily Asian actors um was kind of a niche kind of type of movie and with the martial arts you know not everyone likes martial arts movies right but it also had some help i mean with with where we were at with wandavision right so wandavision helped us falcon and the winter soldier for all of its its flaws helped us and then of course loki helped us we're, we're, with that puzzle it's like we started a brand new puzzle again matt yeah and we've only got the first two or three pieces laid down and none of them match yet. Yeah. And so we feel it's almost like Feige and Marvel's MCU, Marvel Studios, they're forcing us to move away from how does it all look bigger picture back into the individual stories for a little while. Mm -hmm. It's like with, with the original phases, we had the individual stories. We were satisfied with the original stories. And then towards the end, 
they taught us to bring it all together. We're here. I think we're, we're, we're so focused and we remember bringing it all together, but now they're forcing us back to say, just focus on the individual stories for a bit. We got to do some storytelling for a little bit. And I think that's what you're picking up on. I think that's what I'm picking up on. I think that's what a lot of people are feeling, which is we haven't felt like this in eight years or seven years. Yeah. It's been, it's been so, so long. And and so it's, and, and I think that that's what made me feel unsettled about the movie. Because because when I felt unsettled, I was like, well, did I hate something in the movie? What what didn't I like? And I honestly really can't think of many things that I was like, oh, I just, that just didn't land it for me. Like, I, I, gosh dang it, Aquafina is making me appreciate her acting more and more. Because the last two <laughs> projects she's been in, Ryan the Last Dragon and this one, I've loved it. I feel like she's nailed it. And so I'm like, gosh, you, you dang need, it. You need to watch. Cra- have you ever seen Crazy Rich Asians? I have. And I think I she's, loved and her she's good that. in that, too. Yeah, so I is. need to really stop saying well, I just I, like I her acting. Never, I never knew who she was until that movie. So that was the first exposure I had to her. And she cracked me up. I, I, I kind of I kind of like likened her to like an Asian Ellen DeGeneres is what she reminds me <laughs> of. And, and I loved her in that. And then when I found out she was in Ryan the Last Dragon and I loved her in that. And, and honestly, I didn't even realize it was her in this until about halfway through. I'm like, that is her because she's, she's not, she's not as obnoxious as she was in crazy rich Asians. She's a little bit more toned down this and she's kind of a badass. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, you know? absolutely. absolutely. Um, but no, I, I think I'm right there with you. And I, th- I think the, the, the Marvel world is right there with you. I, I think the more I get away from black widow, um, Black Widow was a good movie. It wasn't a great movie. I think we said that. Um, yeah. And I think the more I get away from it, I almost wonder if Black Widow even had to be told. I, I, I don't necessarily know if it had to be told. Yeah. The more that I'm digesting that one, I'm like, okay, was it only? Was I only really excited about it because that's the first Marvel movie in how many months? Mm-hmm. Whereas had this just came out, would I have been really excited about this? I don't. I, I mean, I think there's some really cool stuff. Like some of the action was really cool. But uh, I like, think they were banking on it to make another, you know, another seven hundred million dollars. Is I I think honestly, it, before COVID, <laughs> before COVID, when they produced the darn thing, I think you know, I think maybe Marvel kind of stepped up and eh, I'm gonna make a movie just to make a movie because I can and people will go see it. Um, and COVID kind of knocked them back down a peg. It, 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 if you think about it, Black Widow was really the last of the the mo- movies that we're gonna get for a while where you know thoroughly established characters um make an appearance i mean yeah we're gonna get dr strange but if you really think about dr strange we haven't like i know he's an established character but we really haven't seen a lot of him like he was in his own movie and he's been basically cameoed in a few others but that's about it like he hasn't really been featured all that much yeah no i agree <laughs> i i think the the doc strange too i'm very excited about i'm very curious on where gardens of the galaxy volume three thor what love, direction that takes thor, thor love and thunder, thunder same thing like what what direction do we go with this I'm, 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 there's a, and I think that's, what's fun now. It it almost is like the, not that the fun was taken out of it, but there is some fun now. And like, Oh, there's some mystery and mystique around this, that where are they going with this? And, and I really, really love that about it. And it really did introduce 
the character very, very, all these new characters very, very well. And, and I think had this really nice blend of martial arts magic and hand-to-hand combat and making it feel grounded in the real world. And I, 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 the, the, the visuals in this movie were spectacular. I, I think I, we talked about this in the in the immediate after reactions, but I'll, I will mention this again. That scene on the side of the skyscraper with the with the TV or the lighting the way it did and the silhouettes. I mean, I in the theater, I I was like, holy, you know what? I, mm-hmm. I, I it was you know I think Eric leaned over and said the same thing to me, like, <laughs> oh my god, like it was it was it truly was the, the way they filmed it. And I think some of that filming was probably a little bit of an homage to martial art, um, mm-hmm. martial arts movies of the past, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The visuals, I mean, even wherever it was. And, and the, and I think the hand to hand combat too was done really, really well that um, it felt fun and engaging. Uh, and I, I didn't think it, I think action scenes can go on too mm-hmm. long, and I didn't. Like, you know feel how like, I feel about action scenes. Yeah, so. I didn't feel that in this movie. I, I will say though, it, my one knock on this movie is I, there wasn't a lot that was extremely memorable. Like, it, and I'm talking like, if I'm thinking, what's my favorite part, or what's my favorite line, or what's my favorite this. I can kind of pinpoint it, but also, like, I just remember I just enjoyed the movie. It wasn't like, oh, my gosh, I, I you know, coming out of Endgame, it was like, oh, my gosh, when Captain America uh, wielded the hammer, I lost it. Yeah, but In- you know what, though? I think the reason why you're feeling that way, though, is when Captain America wielded the hammer or when the, the characters show up in through the portals or whatever, it's because you've had... X number of years and X number of movies of vested time with these characters. You just met Shang-Chi two hours prior. Like, yeah. I mean, you know, you didn't necessarily have, like, if you think about some of the analysis that we did with the Infinity Saga series last year, we were able to do that analysis because we already knew where it was going. We, are, mm-hmm. we already had, again, I think part of why you're feeling like, I didn't, you know, it's hard for me to say, you know, favorite character or whatever, a favorite part is because you have no idea where it's going. You have no idea how this thing fits in the larger picture. So you just can't go and enjoy it for what it is. Yeah. Like, and I think that this also makes in like my rankings, you know, cause I always like, okay, where does this rank for me? I almost now have to create separate categories within the MCU because yeah, you're right. That end game is, of course, going to be more emotional because of all the stuff leading up to it. Yep. Whereas, you know, okay, now I, I probably want to compare this movie more towards like an Iron Man, a Captain yeah. America, a Thor, uh, Incredible Hulk, like Black Widow type, like the standalone introducing the character or telling us more about the character. Like to me, that seems like more of how I have to compare this to rather than did I enjoy this more than Endgame? <laughs> I don't even think I don't even think it's fair to do it to those because those characters you also have a history with in the comics. 
those characters, you have a history, you know, Spider-Man, Iron Man, Thor, Captain America, you know, whether you're a comic book fan or not, you know, you know who Thor is, you know, mm-hmm. who Captain America is, you know, who Spider-Man is maybe Iron Man. Um, you know, you, you kind of have a working knowledge that those people, those characters exist, those heroes exist in some fashion, right? The Hulk. This character and some of the coming characters, the Eternals and some of the stuff that we're going to learn about moving forward, not so much. So I agree with you. Not only do you have to do as kind of a separate category, I honestly feel that the divide, even though Spider-Man Far From Home is technically still phase three, in my mind, I think the divide ends at Endgame and from in Far From Home, Black Widow, and then now Shang-Chi um, become kind of it's it's it, it's almost like yes there's phase one two three and four but it's almost like there's a greater like phase one and two and three are category one and mm-hmm. now we start and, and, and then spider-man far from home even though it was still phase three i really believe it's phase four well, i think i think that that becomes category two and you have to start appreciating the movies separately at this point so of those three movies, my favorite so far, I would say, would be Spider-Man: Far From Home, I followed by Shang Chi, followed by Black Widow. Like I'm, that's I'm where I'm at way. right now. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, I'm the same way there. I mean, if you think about it, like in terms of comic books, the up until Endgame is kind of your run of that comic series. Yeah, exactly. And then now it's these stories are coming out of that comic series. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm in agreement with you that I, I thought Far From Home, I, I, the more that I see Far From Home, I'm like, I really enjoyed this movie. It's a good movie. Um, and then I agree, Shang-Chi and then Black Widow, who I think is going to be a cellar dweller for a little bit for me. <laughs> I think Black Widow, and again, not knowing you know what's coming, but I have a feeling that Black Widow, Widow will become a little bit of uh, Thor Dark World as we move along. I, I do. <laughs> um, I, I, as much as I hate, because as we talked about in the the pre in the Black Widow segment um, or, or, or episode, it didn't do a lot to advance the story at all, uh, other than that end scene with Valentina. What's her face? Um, I do feel the end scene of Shang Chi was one of the little insertion points into the broader universe that we got. And I thought it was really well done where they do the cameo of Banner and Carol Danvers and, and uh, Kong, Kong, Wong, Wong. And, um, you know, they're basically saying from this point forward, your life is not going to be the same. I feel like that was not only a conversation to them, but I feel that was Marvel's tip of the hat to us. Do you, yeah. do you feel that way? Yeah, I, I very much so. Okay. Um, I think it was good. I, I think it worked really well as a twofold because, yeah, I mean, the fact that these two people are valets who are underachievers and now all of a sudden are going to be thrust into world-altering events, that works. But I agree with you that it felt like a little bit of a tip of the cap of Marvel almost saying – yeah, you know what you're expecting in this phase? That's not what's going to happen. Uh-huh. Get ready. It's yeah, not going to be it's not going to be your MCU, you know, we've now raised the stakes. Because here's the thing, they've got us. They've yeah. got us. And so now they can go off the reservation on storytelling, and I'm not saying in a bad way, but they can really go with some twists and turns and we'll we'll stay along for the ride. And I and I think it, it it almost has to happen out of necessity, Matt, because 
if they tried to replicate the formula that worked with phases one through three, I think people would lose interest. I, I think there is a true fear of Kevin Feige and Marvel Studios that there is going to, at some point, become superhero overload. And moreover, the the consumer of these movies that existed 12 years ago or 13 years ago when these movies first came out, it's 13 years now at this point, 13 years in 2008 when these movies first came out, is a different kind of consumer. I, I just Let's just put it, put it into reality. There are people, there are children who are 13 years old right now who probably went to go see Chang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings who have never seen a Marvel movie before. This is their first one. They're 13. They weren't even born, right? That's, that's you know, they're going to start veering into some territory here very quickly that Star Wars has been in for decades, which is new generations of consumers who expect different things. Think about what kids today, I mean, you, you your wife teaches, or you were in middle school, your wife teaches kids, um, you know, the, the, the generations that are, are out there today, the younger generation, Generation Z, and, and later at this point, they have different mindsets on what is entertainment, right? Mm-hmm. And so I, I think Marvel, out of necessity, has to say, all right, we can't just replicate origin story, origin story, origin, origin story, and then come together for one epic event. That, that can't, that's not going to happen. I think that we're going to, I think what's going to happen here is, and this is what I think this whole end scene was all about. I can see them basically saying there is no uh, organized way this is all going to flow together. It's things are just going to happen from place to place to place, and you got to kind of hang on for the ride. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Like I really feel like that's where where we're headed, and I think that's what the end scene was telling well, us. And I think that the Infinity Saga was a great start because it's very easy to follow like okay there's these six stones and the villain is trying to get said stones and then that's going to lead to an apocalyptic event he succeeds at that apocalyptic event and then they reverse it like that's a that's a pretty in terms of like just breaking down the story that's a pretty cookie cutter storytelling to be honest whereas now you're right i think they can now say all right we've clearly got the consumer base And so we can now really flex our creativity in storytelling to try and uh, tell an engaging story because we're we're not trying to bring people in. We have the fan base. Now we need to almost cater to that fan base. That's the wrong connotation. No, no, no. Actually, you know what I'm kind of liking it to is the Christopher Nolan Dark Knight series. Right. So Batman had been told for years. Batman had been told for years. It went through this very formulaic movie, movie, movie. Batman one and two were universally loved. Forever was kind of panned, although I loved Forever myself. And then Batman and Robin was very much panned. Right. And then it felt like there was a hard reset. Right. Christopher Nolan came along and said, we're going to reset this thing. We're going to reset this thing. And I'm going to tell it my way. But if you remember, I don't know about you, but watching those three movies and you didn't know there were going to be three when they came out you got the first one you got the second one and eventually got the third one they were chaos mm-hmm. oh yeah they were chaos i remember that scene um the in in, in the dark night with the joker when the two ships are out 
on the Hudson or wherever. And basically they're given those triggers. And basically Joker says, you press it, the other ship explodes and you survive. They press it. The other shit, you you guys explode and they survive. But if neither of you press it, you both die. Like that's basically. I mean, it was chaos. I remember I was on the edge of my seat watching that movie. And, and the reason why I say this is I feel like we are in maybe Marvel's um, Dark Knight phase. Like okay. I think I, I think that they're going to inject some chaos into this a little bit, some unexpected twists to keep it fresh. They, I think they have an ultimate goal of where they want to go. I mean, that they'd be stupid if they don't. Oh yeah. But unlike the 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 Infinity Stone and the Infinity Saga, they're not going to telegraph it to us right away. And so they're just going to give us just a little bit. Like I was even just a little. I was personally a little shocked that they kept the end credit scene around. Like to me, that would have been something that they could have chopped out completely to say, like, this is not this is not your daddy's MCU anymore. This is a different MCU. Yeah, I think they're. I think they're always going to keep those end credit scenes because it just creates so much buzz. Um, and I have to say, Wong singing "Hotel California" yes. with um, <laughs> Shang Chi and Katie are just yes. just great. Yeah, um, I agree. I agree. And and really, can we just say that Wong is becoming like a character that pops up everywhere and is really delightful? Oh, he's in what- fun. Yeah, yeah, it's like the comedic relief, you know. Yeah, just just he pops up. He's he. He's the perfect side character where he just supports what's going on perfectly, but yet he's not a throwaway character. He's his own thing. Like yeah. it's just it's it's perfect. It's a perfectly done character. It would not be a Marvel movie if we did not talk about the villain, uh, because <laughs> you, as many of you know, my villains theory of that the MCU has often have a villains problem. Though I think I guess they are my question better. before before we go there. Uh, we're going to go into villains, but who did you consider the villain? The Mandarin is the villain of this story. He is the antagonist. You think so? I believe so. I, I, I think he is the antagonist. He is the one. Now, I think he is being manipulated by, he's clearly being manipulated by another force, but mm-hmm. he is clearly the antagonist of the story. Now, same with what happened with Raya and the Last Dragon. I don't hate that we're kind of redeeming the villain at the end. That's that's fine, but um, but I, I think that he is the villain of this story. Hmm. See, I didn't see him as a villain. I, I didn't. I honestly, I think what made this movie interesting for me is I don't necessarily know if there was a villain. It was their dad. And the more we learned about the dad, yeah, he's the villain at first, I guess. Like, he, you know, that first third of the movie when, when um, you know, you know, Shang-Chi is trying to get to his sister and they get all the way over there and all that stuff. Yeah, you kind of feel it, but then you feel he's kind of being redeemed and he's trying to do the right thing to get to his wife. But then you start to realize there's the, the what do they call it, the dweller in darkness that's actually the thing that's, you know, calling him or whatever. Um I, I don't know. I, I, I think in this case, I didn't feel a true villain presence in the movie. I felt like it was an adventure. I felt like there was a good story story arc. I felt that, you know, not every movie has to have a true villain. And I think in this case, I think the, the conflict was more in Shang chi trying to find himself and become the man that he needed to become. I am interested. And I really hope that at some point they explore deeper 
where the Ten Rings come from and like what ancient power they, you know, why do they have that power? I think that that end credit scene, going back to that, that started to set some of that up. I'm very excited to see. You know, if you think about before we even knew what the Infinity Stones were, um, there was the Tesseract. Yeah. Right? We didn't even know it was an Infinity Stone at the time. I mean, maybe if you were, you know, into the comic books, you did. But those of us who were very early on, some of the power, these powerful things, we didn't necessarily know they were Infinity Stones, right? So where's this power coming from? What is this? Is this an ancient power? Is this a worldly power? Like, what is this? Um, so I'm really excited to kind of see if they kind of go into that direction but as far as the villains go i i don't know i don't think i didn't feel like there there was a villain in this one i think he was a very grounded villain but um which i i mean like comic book villains tend to be very um over the top yeah and i felt like he was not very over the top but i think again that made him very realistic in terms of this story and in terms of this universe had they try to go because again if you look up the comic book version of the mandarin it is very much an over the top comic booky uh type villain now i know you keep calling him the mandarin but I, i i don't really see him i mean even in the description they don't refer to him as the mandarin yeah, I mean, but that's the that he. I mean, he clearly calls himself that. That's who he is. Really, I don't yeah. remember. I don't. Maybe I missed that part. I don't. Um. And so, it, and so, I. But I like that they. I guess because he felt developed on. Oh yeah, right here in the film, Win Wu has taken on many different names, including the Mandarin, which producer noted comes with audience expectations. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, I think so, I don't think they leaned on to calling him the Mandarin as much as they probably would have had they not used, you know, Trevor and Iron Man three. Probably. Yes. I, I think that that, that though the whole, the motive, I, I guess here, here's what, what I think I liked about it is the motive made sense, mm-hmm. which was a, I fell in love with this woman and gave up these 10 rings, even though yep. it gave me in, you know, huge amount of power. Yep. She got killed because I decided to do that. And so now I, I am going to, you know, rule with an iron, iron fist, uh, not, no pun intended of any other Marvel properties. Um, you know, with these 10 rings, I'm going to put in these back on, never going to take them off. And the, I feel this call that I need to save her and I am going to bust down anybody in my way, I think is a, the, even if the even if the intentions are good, his actions are still very villainous and antagonistic. And it really isn't until the final moment when he gives up the ten rings that he you kind of see like the oh my gosh I was wrong in this. Okay, son, it's your turn. Go do this. So I I, I just I I'm not looking for in the villains to for like. Like, I consider Loki to be a little bit more over-the-top villain, and I think that works for who Loki is. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think in this case, what they did with the villain worked really, really well in that they didn't make him this grandiose, over-the-top type villain, and and I I appreciated how that worked and didn't shy away or take some of the shine away from Shang-Chi, um... Because that's the character that we're clearly setting up, not the Mandarin. Yeah, and I'm thinking that, like, maybe I'm not feeling villainous vibes from him, per se, 
because I think one of the things that this movie does really well, I mean, this guy's really old. I mean, he's he's had power for centuries, basically. If you think about it, he's had power that the Ten Rings have basically made him immortal. So I, I think one of the things that the movie does really well is it kind of sets up the flip side of what happens when a villain does gain the power that they want and eventually they grow tired of it. I, I honestly think that that's kind of what happened is there was a, there was a power greater than the power he had, which was love. He gave it up. And then the only reason he goes back to it is because that love dis, not only say disappears, but gets ripped away from him because his wife gets murdered. Right. So, um, you know, it does, it does, uh, uh, it's just, it, I think it feels more human than it feels. And maybe that's because again, I'm, I'm viewing it through the, the category one lens of phases one through three, where everything's world shattering, right? This wasn't a world shattering story per se. Uh, you know, like the, 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 the Mandarin wasn't out to be able to, to rule the world. And so maybe that's why I'm having a hard time, um, uh, equating him to a villain. So I think that's fair. Yeah, and I, um, but I guess that's one of the, I mean, I'm going to belabor this point a little bit. That's what I liked about it though, because mm-hmm. yeah. the whole, I'm just going to take over the world. It was a little bit why I thought yellow jacket falls flat mm-hmm. is it immediately is like, I'm going to use this to take over the world and make lots of money. It's like, okay, cool. Like, but instead had they toned him down a little bit, I think it really would have worked as a really great villain Whereas it, because they tried to like make his plan seem like this huge, huge thing, it just didn't. And so I think they kept it small, and I yeah. think that that helped. I think we have to establish on this podcast a new call out for one another because I think what what I'm experiencing right now with my thoughts about the villain is a version of what you were experiencing about how you felt about the movie, and and that's. I think in both cases, you were viewing the movie through your phase one through three lens, and I'm viewing the villain through my phase one through three lens. So I think going forward, when we start to review some of this stuff, we need to be like, hey, Matt, your phases one through three are showing. You know, <laughs> hey, Casey, your phases one through three are showing. I, th- I think that's, I think we got, we have to think of a better way to call it out, but I think that's what's happening here is that I've probably got my, you know, category one, phases one through three lens on. You're comparing you know, it to Thanos. <laughs> exactly. Thanos or Loki or yeah. any of the, or, or um, uh, Dormammu, Dormammu, yeah. um, you know, these, these world altering creatures and that's why in my mind to me the 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 dark dweller in darkness was more the villain when in reality i guess he really wasn't he was just released so i think we i think you and i have to start to do like hey you're one through three showing (laughs) that that's really what it is when we're reviewing these movies because i think that it's not fair to do that and and so yeah i I, okay i i will accept what you are saying um (laughs) It's it's so, so hard because because this is a very big reset and they're having to build the groundwork again. I mean, it's the equivalent of you have an old house that you knock down. Okay, the foundation is still there. We still have the foundation of the MCU, but everything else is b- being built up totally different. Well, I think I don't want I think to take that that metaphor even, you know, or analogy even. I think they've already built the house next door and now they're building a new house right next to it. And they're taking what they learned, but they want to make it look different because they don't want two houses on the block looking the same way. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think I killed that thing. Do I killed that analogy? No, no, I, I like the metaphor. But it works. We, it works. We are killing the metaphor state. Puzzle we, houses. Really, really. If, if we have any listeners left at this point, goodness gracious. Um, but okay. Uh, any final thoughts on on Shang Chi, uh, Shang Chi, before we we close out the show? Solid movie. That's, yeah. I mean, that's pretty much what I can. I, I'm, it I'm, is my number two category two movie right now. Yes, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> and and I, I'm excited to see where we're going. I mean, what we get Eternals here in in pretty a quick. couple like like pretty quick. It's like a month you know, or something like. What that. I am not excited about. What's that? I am not excited about Hawkeye. Did you watch the preview for it? I did, and it bored the hell out of me. I'm. I am not I'm, excited. I know. I know it's a series. First of all, it's a series. It's what it's going to be six episodes, eight episodes, whatever. How are you going to make eight hours of that? Like, oh my god! I don't like Jeremy. Is it Jeremy Renner? Yeah, Jeremy Renner. Yeah, I'm. I'm he's a good side character. It'd be like making eight hours of Wong. I love Wong, but I don't want a Wong TV series. Okay, I kind of do want eight hours of Wong. <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe a comedy special or something, or. or Wong, karaoke with Wong like that 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 could work okay, but I, okay. Just, I don't know I'm just I'm not like I don't even know if I'm gonna watch it like I think I might just read up on it like I know I need to know parts of it moving into the I just I have no eh, I'm not interested so in what gives me confidence is uh, I believe they're basing it off of some of the Hawkeye comic books that have been really critically acclaimed not just by fans but by by you know critics um, I'm a little bit weirded out that they're leaning hard into like the Christmas thing like that. That seems weird to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, like it gives me really like, like black Christmas vibes. Remember those movies that came out a few years ago called black Christmas. Yeah. Just, and they were like horror movies. Like I'm like, I don't want to see horror around Christmas time. Yeah, It was just <laughs> kind of strange. And the, the preview is just very generic, which Marvel's getting very good at making very generic previews and not kind of revealing their hands. So I'm, yeah. I'm going to watch it because that's what I do. I mean, I, I'm probably going to have to watch it. I mean, it just in order to stay up to date on what's happening. I just, I never felt that Hawkeye had, I don't know how to put it. Like I've never really been compelled by his story. Ever. No, that's fair. That's and fair. So, so now that he's got to go back and basically reconcile what he did when he was this other character whose name is escaping me. Ronan. Ronan, thank you. Uh, whose hoodie was awesome that we when we had yes. at the Disney store. Um, and we couldn't keep it in stock. I I just to me, meh, you know. No, I, I get it. Like it's like not it's a almost like where I thought with Falcon and Winter Soldier. Meh. Yeah, I, I think I think you're very much in a Captain America or a Falcon and Winter Soldier type type vibe where you'll watch the first episode and go Oh gosh, and then just like binge the last five last minute before we. Uh, I mean, even I'm looking at it going. Depending on what happens, do we even just do it as an intro on our pod and not we even might. do a full episode? Do it. Yeah, like, we just might kinda... not do. Depends on you know. I could turn it on and get blown away by it. Oh, I, not, I'm hoping. Not for holding that. out hope, I guess. I'm, I'm hoping for that, but it, it's the whole like Eternals is on the horizon here, and I'm just more excited about that and yeah. more excited about um, Spider Man. Like those are the two projects that I'm just more excited about and then really yep. past uh hawkeye um like there's Ant- some Ant- other Ant- man coming up the you got well movie wise you got Ant man coming up of course doctor strange coming up mm-hmm. um there's a lot of stuff though in the series that i'm that disney plus is coming out with that i'm very excited about like she hulk i think is going to be a really really fun series not interested in that one either See, i know you're not interested in hulk stuff she hulk is 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 very very different from mm-hmm. the hulk 
yeah, like, I, and, and she's a lawyer. And so from what I gather, it's going to be a big like law drama type thing. And I, I want to be very clear here. I'm not against the fact that there's going to be a woman Hulk. I'm not. And I I do. And I do love law dramas, by the way. So she's going to be a lawyer. I might actually get into it. I'm just wondering if maybe I hate to say it, but am I starting to suffer from superhero overload a little bit? Maybe. I mean, maybe. I don't know. I I was never. It is. There is. it, It almost feels like I'm just getting too much. I don't know. We'll yeah, see. We'll I, see what I, happens. I think it very much killed their vibe, but um, there's. I think there's some interesting characters coming out. Moon Knight is another one that is a very cool character that I think is going to explore something different. I, I think as long as it stays different for me, because let's look at the series that you've enjoyed, WandaVision and Loki. Those were series with, we've never seen something like this before. It's all brand new. Look at the series that you weren't and still aren't necessarily excited about. Falcon and Winter Soldier and Hawkeye, because it's going to kind of feel like what we've already seen before. Now, what I will say is this. I wasn't sure I was going to like WandaVision at first, because I was never sold on Wanda or Vision in the original you know, phases one through three. To your point, and maybe this is evidence of what you're saying, because they were able to make it something different, maybe if that is the kind of vibe or the feel that we get with the the Hawkeye series, I don't think it's going to be as weird as that, but if that's the vibe that we get, maybe it will make me appreciate his character a little bit more, possibly. Um, Because again, Wanda and Vision were side characters. They weren't ever like, you know, the main headlines. And now suddenly they've been thrust into the, at least Wanda has, the thrust into the main headline. So maybe that'll be what happens with Hawkeye. I'll I'll become, I'll appreciate it more uh, once I see what it's all about. And the fact that it's coming out, because that's coming out right around the holidays. So I think it comes out like the end of November, I think. Did did we put that on our, our, our list? So we haven't gone that far yet yeah we haven't done our christmas so maybe maybe it does become one of our christmas episodes i don't know that would kill two birds with one stone to get some marvels some christmas in there i don't know but okay it's closing time how do they get a hold of us matt you can email us at beers and ears 1928 at gmail.com facebook beers and ears podcast twitter and instagram at beers ears 1928 um as always rate and review us five stars five stars especially if you're on apple podcasts um new episodes every tuesday uh we're we're We've got a great schedule, as you know, we haven't scheduled Christmas yet, but we've scheduled everything up until Christmas, and we've got some some really fun. I don't want to reveal much, but we've got some really fun ones coming next week. Is Cruella, Cruella Deville, Cruella Deville? I if stand he by this podcast thing. I am being totally neutral on this. Yes. I am. I am trying to go in with zero preconceived notions. I'm. I have avoided like critics' reviews and like I am. I am. I am not letting you influence me. Like I'm going in with, I don't know whether this movie is going to be good or bad. That, and that was how I went into it. I mean, I had seen mo- the reviews that said it was good. I was like, all right, why not? I had absolutely no interest in watching that movie before I saw it. And now it is my absolute favorite live action movie. And, and I will personally be so shocked, Matt, if you come to us next week and, and, you did not like it. I, wow. Okay. I, I, I will. I. I will be so shocked. I am staking my reputation on it. Now, will you be shocked if I'm not as excited about it as you are? Um. Like, like I say, it was good, but I didn't think it was as good as you're thinking. I'm gonna have to listen to your rationale. Okay. Because, okay. because 
in, in, in the in the category of live action movies that are out there, it is going to be really interesting to see why you think one of the other live actions, with maybe one exception, which I'm not going to say right now, with maybe one exception, you think is better than this movie. Okay. So because I because I, I, I am personally putting it out there right now that this movie is not only the best live action movie they've come up with, it is like best live action, like hands down by like three or four fold. Wow. So, I mean, it, it truly is. It, it's an, I mean, like I, I might even just turn it on today, just watch it again, just because <laughs> it is a good movie. And I don't say that about movies like that. Often, yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. Well, I got to watch it this week. Let's raise our glasses. This episode has been on us, ladies and gentlemen. We will see you next week when we're talking Cruella. Have a great rest of your day. Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to a Sorcerer Network podcast.